0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Astrology reveals insights into the greater world, its changing cycles, and universal forces. Through the lens of astrology, we examine special topics and current events, investigate their meaning, and discuss solutions to personal and global problems. Welcome to Astrology The Theory of Everything with Mary Jo Weavers and Janie McCarthy. We're here to show you how astrology can be a powerful tool for self awareness and transformation. You'll be amazed how everything is interconnected when using astrology. Now, here are your hosts, Mary Jo
2: and Janie. Welcome. I'm Janie McCrussie, and I'm here today with my dear friend and co-host, Mary Joe Weavers. How are things doing on, on the West Coast today, Mary Jo? Hi,
3: Janie. It's uh, cool and foggy out here as we are moving deeper into autumn.
2: Mm. Well, today our monthly show is on the often vilified, intensely experienced water sign of Scorpio. It's a psychologically complex, sensually and sexually stimulating emotional energy, and the sign's not extremely well understood for these very reasons. People are not especially skilled nor desirous of looking at their emotions or feeling their own feelings, and of course, then they're the behavioral taboos which shun us from investigating and experimenting with this energy. So... We're going to look at its traditional Martian primal urges, as well as its contemporary Plutonian transformational powers, and we'll be speaking to the archetype of Scorpio, hoping to incorporate its collective, as well as our individuated experience of it in the world. And we make the show's discussion even more relevant and ubiquitously valuable by having our conversation with today's guest, Mark Borak. Mark's a soul-level astrologer, and Mark speaks from the soul's perspective, which we'll be particularly interested in delving into relative to Scorpio's relationship to the soul. So please join us in welcoming our gifted and visionary mentor guest, Mark Borak, soul-level
3: astrologer. Welcome, Mark.
4: Hi, how are you doing?
3: Doing well. Mark, you were part of the original mystery school that visionary astrologer Elias William Lonsdale founded in California's Santa Cruz Mountains in the 1980s. You were an apprentice of his for seven years. And Lonsdale, we understand, was a protege of Mark Edmonds Jones, who is known as the father of the Sabian symbols, as well as being a protege of Dane Rudyard, who is considered by many of us to be the father of transpersonal astrology. So you have quite a distinguished soul-centered lineage in your background, and you have written two books, Crossing the Bridge to the Future and The Cosmic Weather Report. And we are very excited to have you on our show today, Mark.
4: Well, thanks to be here.
3: So let's start the discussion out and get right
2: to the topic of the soul. So, Mark, what is soul, and what does it mean in today's world, and how would you apply it to the field of astrology?
4: I see the soul as your core nature, the part of you that was there before you were, the part of you that incarnated into human form once upon a time and began to have a series of different lifetimes. This is one of those lives. And underneath your personality, underneath your name and your character, deep inside the center of your body is this part of you that we can call the soul. That's the part of you that comes back each time from death into new life in order to explore certain things that can only be Explored on the human side of the equation, which indicates that there's a part of you, however mixed up or lost or confused you might get in life, that there's a part of you that is clear, that is not mixed up, that knows exactly who you are and what you're doing and why you're here. And what I was trained in in my apprenticeship with William and Sarah Lonsdale was how to go through the birth chart In order to get to the soul how to identify the part of you that knows exactly why you're here what you're doing and what you're after even though other parts of you may forget that or get a bit lost and confused
3: hmm wonderful Um, mark we know Scorpio as a feminine fixed water sign Its negative polarity gives it a more introspective and investigative energy that can be described as being secretive and penetrating, and it has a passionate desire to probe the depths of life's mysteries. Can you explain for us how these characteristics of the sign of Scorpio help us relate to and and to understand our, our soul?
4: Well, the Scorpio... Is one of the, is a water sign and water is the element of the inner nature or the soul the, the the psychic emotive domain that most people build a life on top of and very few people ever fully inhabit and so each of us has a Scorpio channel whether we're Aries or Taurus or Gemini or any any of the signs we all have a Scorpio channel and that channel is the, um, one of the deepest subterranean rivers of the soul that runs through everybody. And most modern life ignores, denies, and projects that level because to inhabit the truth of what you actually experience inside from birth onward is a very intense experience that is prohibited by many taboos in our culture. And so what our culture usually teaches is how to abandon the inner Scorpio channel and build a life way above it, many levels above it, and not actually be aware of what you're sensing, intuiting, feeling, of what your instincts are telling you. The main difference between Scorpio and the other 11 zodiac signs is that Scorpio has much less of a chance to ignore that underground channel and is feeling it all the time. So there's this surging, seething, stirred up energy in the Scorpio experience beginning from childhood, which usually boils down to why are my parents and everybody else in the world pretending to be these odd creatures that they can't possibly be? Why, are, why isn't everybody fully being who they are? And there's this Scorpionic experience that most of us go through, even if we're not the sign of Scorpio, somewhere between age 5 and 10 years old, which has to do with, oh, they really don't want me to fully be who I am because they're not fully being who they are. And the magic that is often experienced in childhood, especially on the Scorpio channel, is outlawed, is prohibited, is tabooed. All this stuff happens unconsciously. It's not like parents say this to kids. It's not like the world says that specifically to Scorpio. But that's the unspoken message, which is do not feel all that you feel. Do not inhabit all the deep layers of what's surging through you. And so right away, Scorpio is at odds with modern society because the main message is, do not feel what you feel. Do not be who you are. Don't be that intense. And so um, there's this initiation that Scorpio and the Scorpio inside everyone has to go through to regain that Primal mystery of what it was like to be in childhood and to be so magically, intensively alive that you could cry at a raindrop or or burst into laughter at 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 at, at a cat. And so that's the inner state that the Scorpio in everybody is in throughout their whole life, and it takes quite a journey to regain permission, to even give yourself permission to actually feel all that. And so as a result, Scorpio, as it appears in the world, is mostly in a dimmed-down version, in a, in a compressed version, in a tabooed version. It's, it's, it's just about what Western society does with sex and with death. The two things most associated with Scorpio are misunderstood and tabooed and twisted and projected and repressed. And so it takes kind of a journey to separate from society's conditioning and even grant the Scorpio within everyone and within our culture the right to exist, the right to feel what it feels.
2: And so how is the soul of support, of help, to this part of ourselves that's so buried at such a very early stage in all of our lives?
4: Well, it's always fighting to get through a person's conditioning. You know, when somebody gets into a false marriage, when somebody gets into a false education, gets into a false job, in a false society, in a false world, what happens is the soul never gives up on you. That's the one part of you that's trying every possible thing it knows to get the message through the conditioning that says, um, uh, wake up, this is not your real life, this is not your real marriage, this is not what sex is, this is not what work is, this is not what joy is, this is not what devotion is. And so the soul is the part of you that's never going to buy that charade, no matter how much the ego goes for it. The soul is always sending you messages, trying to get other people who could, who could help um, restore your, your truth, trying to send those people to you, trying to draw books and movies and experiences to you that can get through the conditioning that, that you fall for. And that, that's the soul's role throughout those years. Excellent.
3: We hear about um, Scorpio having this power to strip away that which is superficial, uh, that which might be hiding the true essence so it can get down to the heart of the matter or or to our core or down to the bare bones. And it, it seems to me this is exactly what you're talking about. And that fixed nature of Scorpio, it so well uh is described by, by the way you talk about the soul is always trying to reach us. It's always trying to speak to us. So it's, it sounds like it's more about us being able to allow Scorpio to do its work on us so we can connect to it.
4: Yes, there's something very tenacious about that sign that, that will persist. And, and, and there's the urge in Scorpio to dissolve everything preventing you merging with God. And so whatever God is, spirit or goddess or cosmic intelligence, whatever you want to call God, the Scorpio in everybody is longing to merge with and, and break through so much of what's in the way of that. So there's the, the soul of Scorpio is especially persistent in, in not giving up on a person, no matter how stuck they get in the world illusion
2: so let's talk a little bit about scorpio on the archetypal level of the fear that it feels what would you say that is mark what what drives its paranoia and at times its ocd obsessive compulsive disorders
4: well there's there's two sides to scorpio fear one is the deep authentic channel of the fear, and the other is a conditioned societal fear that has to do with the ego and the loss of false security. So the deep fear, the actual authentic fear in Scorpio is that I'm going to be born into this crazy society in this world, and I'm going to live and die and never, ever fully love, never fully feel, never fully connect, never fully bond, Never fully merge, whether that merging is with the beloved through sacred love and sexuality or with art through music and various forms of art with God, the, the direct mystical approach. The, the deep, authentic Scorpio fear is that the thing that most needs to happen while I'm alive ain't going to happen because everyone's walking around half asleep and where, where can I go? For the truth, where can I go for the truth? That's the root level, foundational, primal scorpionic fear that underlies all the other fears. All the other fears are less than that. They're the, you know, they're the branches that spring off the root. The the the, the fear of loss of control. It's the ego getting caught in false security and misunderstanding that. Um, <laughs> The, the vast amount of transformation possible that in human beings. And so all those other Scorpio fears that you're mentioning can be traced down to the deep ultimate fear, which is a very legitimate fear, that, that, that life itself is never going to fully happen, that love and sex in its most multidimensional, sacredly um, glorious way ain't going to happen, that, that art and friendship and music, and, and politics, and education are watered-down versions of the real thing, and where can I go to find the real thing? So that's the real Scorpio fear.
3: It, it also seems to me that many people are afraid of fear, but, <clears throat> excuse me, actually they're afraid of feeling fear because they believe it will destroy them, and yet if we aren't repelled or or run away out of fear, it seems to me that Scorpio will take us deeper into the heart of any matter and if we can just simply sit and be more introspective and feel our intense emotions, that they will lead us to whatever it is that our soul uh, needs us to take a look at or is drawing us towards.
4: Yes, there's a there's a certain amount of wrestling with the shadow, wrestling with the darkness that, that's involved here when we talk about the scorpionic journey, that, that your fear is one of your greatest teachers. And, and so when you're willing to unmask the rawness of what you feel and recognize what part of yourself you've disowned that's trying to come back, into your existence you're, you're beginning that deep initiation path the, the hero's journey the the shamanic journey down underneath society's illusions society's conditionings down underneath um, the negative spin on your own past history the the sex that didn 't go right the relationships that didn 't go right the the parents that didn 't love you with wholeness because they themselves were broken underneath the bitterness underneath the history, underneath the conditioning. Those fears are have a very deep treasure to give you, which is the treasure of your lost self. And when you recognize what's really going on underneath those fears, those fears lose, lose their power over you. And when you take up that hero's journey, because the hero is not somebody who feels no fear. A hero is somebody who feels great fear and learns how to overcome it. And when you learn to work with your fear rather than run away from it, um, just like working with sex and working with death, the the beginning of life is sex and the end of life is death. And Western culture so botches and misunderstands those things that that we've basically created... Um, Scorpio in the form of the vampire. You know, people are making the sign of the cross when Scorpio comes around because we don't know what to do with sex and death, and that's where the fears are located. When you overcome your fear of dying, when you overcome your fear of ego dying, when you recognize that the person you used to be is not worth preserving because they were an earlier prototype of somebody that you can be, if you let that part of you die and resurrect, then your fears serve a great purpose on the, on the awakening of the soul.
2: Mark, does Scorpio source its courage from its traditional ruler, Mars?
4: Well, there's a warrior element in Scorpio, and, and, and it's the spiritual warrior, the one who realizes that every challenge that you meet between birth and death is there to awaken you and and when you begin to face every challenge as a summons to awaken that martial force that you 're talking about the inner mars the the spiritual warrior who who has something to that is worth championing the then you're not um, getting you're not getting taken in by false battles of the ego you're you're waging the, the, the triumphant battle of the soul to um to fight against um prejudice and bigotry, to fight against ignorance, to, to fight against your own blindness. And and there's the warrior part of Scorpio that's that's worth um that's worth mentioning. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. I've also heard that uh, a a description I like very much, that darkness is the absence of light, and likewise evil is the absence of good, and Scorpio is often perceived as a very dark energy, or we're taught that it is. Um, However, I've seen it in recent years as perhaps the most spiritual sign of the zodiac, because it draws our attention to that dark matter within us that can be transmuted, and within the seed of all darkness is the light.
4: Yes, and there's a, there's a real Scorpio principle you're just alluding to here, which is the principle that nature abhors a vacuum. And so, when a void is created, something rushes in to fill it, and this is part of the... The paradoxical mechanism of how Scorpio works in the world is that until you get a good opposite, until you get a good lack going, you can't really create the necessary void that needs to be filled. And so what happens is somebody might unconsciously apprentice themselves to a relationship that has a real lack of truth in it, a real lack of deep passion, of authentic love. You might do that with a marriage or a job or a family relationship or or a whole group of friends or a whole life that a certain amount of years may need to go by until you get it on a deep level that this is not love. This is not life. This is not truth. This is not me. This is not authentic. And at that moment it's really the beginning of the deeper Scorpio journey, the journey of regeneration, of, of resurrection. It can only be preceded by the necessary death. And so that, that void, that absence of, is, is often feared as the end of everything, but really on the Scorpio level, death is the beginning of everything. And you can, you can look at death as the beginning of life, just as much as you could look at birth as the beginning of life, it it just depends on where you place the accent on the reincarnational cycle. And so, when you get a really good version of something lacking, there's a womb created there, and into that womb space, a, a, a whole new love can be born. And and that's the part of Scorpio that you're that you're referencing as as the most deeply spiritual that. Scorpio is all about love and cannot stand the fact that love is not happening, that society is not built on love, that church and state are not built on love, that education and family, that even love is not built on love. They're all built on these flimsy, illusory falsehoods. And when that gets all wiped away, an authentic love can begin in the darkness
3: of the womb. That's beautiful. Well, Janie, why don't we go ahead and take a short break right now, and then when we come back, we will be continuing our conversation with Mark Borax and his soul-level understanding of the sign of Scorpio. So stay tuned for more.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: Janie McCarthy loves being a professional astrologer. Her academic pursuits in consciousness exploration, negotiations, and relationship transformation have been critical to helping her clients integrate their material and spiritual worlds. She is known for her ability to simplify and articulate even the most complex concepts to trigger aha moments of pure, meaningful, and lasting clarity. Janie is available for booking presentations, workshops, and client consultations and can be contacted at www.janiemccarthy.com mary joe weavers is a licensed spiritual health coach specializing in soul personality integration a certified karmic astrologer mary joe uses the symbolic language of astrology to help her clients understand themselves and their life experiences from a deeper spiritual perspective mary joe can help you gain clarity about your life purpose relationship dynamics and how to live your life more effectively She is available for astrological consultations in person, by phone, and Skype. Check out her website at www.maryjoeweavers.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Astrology, the Theory of Everything. To reach the hosts or the guests today, please call 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to astrotalkradio at icloud.com. Now, back to the show.
3: Welcome back. This is Mary Jo Weavers with co-host Janie McCarthy. And we have been talking today with our special guest, soul-level astrologer, Mark Borax. And Mark, let's talk a bit about your background. Um, you taught yourself astrology, and as part of your self-teaching, you read Alan Oken's Complete Astrology book. And then you and your mentor, William Lonsdale, created the Mystery School, can you tell us about this period in your life and how perhaps you or your life was transformed during this time?
4: Yeah, it was quite fascinating because um, I, when I was 25 years old in Ashland, Oregon, um, one of the girl, a girlfriend I had at the time gave me a surprise uh, birthday present, which was an astrology reading with a, a local Ashland astrologer, and I'd never had an astrology reading, and um, this woman spoke to me for two hours, and she blew my socks off with how accurate she was uh, in talking about me, and that made me think, God, there must be something to this astrology stuff, and in the next few years, I got um, a few other readings, and then I was living in Berkeley, California in 1987, and a friend of mine told me of this master astrologer, Uh, she was going to um, California Institute of Integral Studies in the Bay Area, she was studying transpersonal psychology, she went to a college with a lot of uh, open-minded and um, transformative um, teachers and they were all raving about this master astrologer who they said worked on a level that was far beyond any other astrologers anyone had ever known of. His name was William Lonsdale, and he lived in uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains, but he came up to Marin County um, every couple months to do readings. And I signed up for a reading in uh, December of 1987, and um, I walked into that room, and my whole life was changed forever. And um, when I walked out of that room, um, I, I was standing on a little bridge overlooking a stream, and I looked down and saw that my body was soaked in tears. I, I must have been crying, silently crying through through the reading and not even knowing it. And um, I describe a fuller description of that reading in my first book, 2012, Crossing the Bridge to the Future, which tells the story of my seven-year apprenticeship to William Lonsdale and his wife Sarah and how I learned the soul-level astrology that I practice. And, um, and that reading left me feeling that I want to do for other people what this guy just did for me. I, I don't know what he just did, but I want to learn how to do this. And I'd been studying astrology on my own for four years at that point. And I was working in the comic book industry as a writer and an editor. And I'd been working in comics, but not fully satisfied there. And I had just started considering that this astrology stuff I'd been studying on my own um, might be something I could make a living at. And right at that point was when I got my reading um, from William Lonsdale. And um, shortly after that, I ended up moving to the Santa Cruz Mountains. And shortly after that, they started up the mystery school under the redwood trees where um, w- w- William and Sarah gathered a group of spiritual outlaws in the hills and took us on these amazing journeys. I mean, this was so far beyond what astrology is normally thought of. Um, that. And, and one part of this was he taught a whole new system of astrology uh, right at the point where I'd just become a professional astrologer and I was super turned on. Um, the times were very heady. In, um, in uh, the late 1980s, the early 1990s, um, Santa Cruz was a melting pot of mystical tradition and spiritual traditions all becoming new again, and, um, and those classes were, were so powerful that I recorded them and edited them and transcribed them and turned them into a, a, a huge book of the soul and um, was just so turned on by people meeting um, on a weekly basis, to go, go deeper and deeper and deeper into the mysteries, uh, and astrology was was basically torn down and rebuilt there because um, because Elias Lonsdale was was dissatisfied with the astrology he had learned from Mark Edmund Jones, and uh, it just wasn't going far enough for him. And he, he you know he had worked with the best astrologers of his time. He and um, Dane Rudyard were fellow students of Mark Edmund Jones and they were working side by side and, and even with these three um, geniuses in the room it, it wasn't clicking for him and And, um, and he, he, he found an astrology much deeper than that which came from a past life dream of Atlantis and um, he'd been working on that stuff for years before telling anyone about it and he he and Sarah brought that through to us And I got to try it out in all my readings in those years Um, and so that was almost uh, 30 years ago and um, and I still use that form of astrology today where um, I look at the birth chart as a window to the soul and and I teach astrology my wife Marcella and I teach uh, teleclasses of how to how to read charts we have a -a two-and-a-half year program of people studying with us, learning how to read charts on a soul level. And, and we have other um, lighter classes that are monthly classes. And, and, um, and uh, so, so the Mystery School goes on.
2: Wonderful. And, and if um, people are interested, Mark, in participating in your teleclasses and or the Mystery School, how's the best way for them to reach you?
4: MarkBorax.com is my website, M-A-R-K-B-O-R-A-X, markborax.com, and you can read all about my books, my classes, uh, personal appearances, and and my readings.
2: Wonderful. So, for our listeners to bring this discussion down into their lives, uh, let's look at some of Scorpio's well-known urges and motivations to act. Let's begin with its interest in power and control. What do you think is Scorpio is really needing? What's it attempting to do when it, when it moves toward being more powerful and wanting to be more controlling?
4: Well, there's a toughness inside Scorpio which says to Scorpio... Um, Nobody out there in the world is fully being who they are. Who is really being who they are? Show me the man or woman who knows exactly who they are and what they're doing in this life, and I will learn from them. I will absorb what they're doing. And lacking very many role models of that clear, pure, scorpionic intensity, um, naturally Scorpio would resort to control mechanisms because the, the inner message that Scorpio receives from the world is, i got to be the one. Nobody else can be the one. i got to be the one to know what's going on here. i gotta, I got to gain some power over this thing here because nobody else is really alive. Nobody else is really awake. Nobody's fully present. Nobody's meeting me. I have to meet myself. I have to meet the world. I have to meet the gods. And when there's um, a mystical and spiritual dimension lacking to that, it all plays out in the interpersonal realm of the soap opera of of human politics, of sexual politics, the the control that Scorpio wants, the, the power that Scorpio longs for is the power of love. And that is not power over. Power over somebody is not true power. The greatest power of all is love. And when you fall in love with life itself, you contact the deepest source of power. And, and all the other urges, the controlling, dominating urges um, of Scorpio uh, um, re- result from um, a lack of love, a lack of the truth of love, uh, 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 being off base with the deepest power, with the root of power.
3: In the sequence of the signs in the Zodiac, Scorpio follows the sign of Libra, and Libra being the intellectual and, and social air sign that rules relationships and partnerships. And so I'm thinking as we make this transition from Libra into Scorpio, uh, it, it takes our relationships to deeper and more profound levels where we encounter these issues of power and control. And uh we're forced to take a look at our own projections and shadow material. Would would you say that there's some truth to that or in, in taking us from Libra into Scorpio?
4: Yeah, that passage is is the deepening of relationship. That um, the the relationship that Libra by the way, Dane Rudyard, Mark Edmund Jones and Lonsdale all say Libra rather than Libra which is the way they pronounce it in England. And so I, I, because I learned from Elias Lonsdale, I I also say Libra, also because it's my own sign. I I call it Libra. (laughs) Um, That passage from Libra to Scorpio, like Libra initiates relationship and connection, and Scorpio deepens it. So the, the Scorpio in the world, as well as the Scorpio inside all of us, wants to take connection down to a deeper place. Not just sexual and romantic connection, but all meaningful connections have many deeper layers to them that that Scorpio wants to get at, and getting at those layers um, then raises all kinds of other issues. And so not getting to those layers makes Scorpio um, uh, disenfranchised off its power base, uh, uh, unable to really... Hope Unable to really connect, but then getting to those deeper layers also produces a whole other set of challenges which our society um, doesn't generally prepare us for so a lot of this terio, a lot of this territory of Scorpio that we're discussing today is really banned territory it's really taboo territory, so there's an outlaw element here where you know Bob Dylan had a famous quote. To, to live outside the law, you have to be honest. And so if you're going to be uh, what I call a spiritual outlaw, you really need a much deeper honesty. If you're, if you're going to challenge the mores and values and customs of, of society and you're going to break the, off of that path, you have to be more honest. The, this is the outlaw needing to be more honest as the normal citizen rather than less.
2: So as we go deeper into relationships from the 7th to the 8th house experience, Scorpio has a, has a very possessive nature. It needs to create a bond that's reliable and it won't be altered. A fusion, a merging, uh, it, it gets ferocious in its need to defend. And the fear that drives it to jealous rages, is this a projection that's operating?
4: Yeah, that side of Scorpio gets way too much coverage in astrology, in the world of astrology. It's, this is um, astrologers themselves not knowing how to deal with their rage and their lust and their fear of death. And, and because astrologers themselves are a part of Western society, and very few of them have actually faced their own shadow to the deep, deepest place in world, and gone through it, the sign that gets most associated with shadow becomes misunderstood. Um, uh, In my experience, um, the rage and control side of Scorpio that you're talking about is, is mostly a projection. It's not, it's not what Scorpio is all about. It's not, it's not where, where Scorpio generally lives. It's, it's a, it's, uh, it's the part of Scorpio that actually has um, a very understandable reason for being enraged, which is, this world is not based on love. This world is based on war. This world is based on bigotry and ignorance. Where, where's the love? I'm, how can you go through the world and not be enraged about that?
3: Mm-hmm. And Scorpio is also commonly associated with sex and sexuality. It, I'm, I'm thinking also that's also very much misunderstood, um, that's, that's not right. only by astrologers, but by our, our general you know culture. So how yeah. can we better understand that from a true Scorpio perspective?
4: Well, you know, when I first launched my astrology practice about 30 years ago in the Bay Area, California, I soon realized that there were people of two different zodiac signs who would tiptoe timidly into my room for readings afraid of what they were going to hear and it was capricorn and scorpio and i soon concluded it was because other astrologers and astrology books had basically made them the bad guys of the zodiac that mm-hmm. you know that 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 there's something wrong with capricorn and there's something wrong with scorpio and we have to fix them and we have to make them right. And I, I pretty soon realized that this was astrologers not yet having dealt with all their own issues that are related to power and sex. And so they're, they're laying all those issues over poor Capricorn and Scorpio, who were walking into my room for these readings. Um, and I had to first spend the, the first part of the readings disabusing them of, of the false ideas of of that they'd been told before uh, that were limiting themselves. And so uh, if you want to unlimit Scorpio, if you want to get to the truth of sex, um, you, you you first have to clear away um, our, our our Western cultural stereotypes. For example, Hollywood movies. When was the last time you saw a Hollywood movie that presented a married couple with an outrageously... Um, glorious sexual relationship with each other. What happens in our culture is reflected by the lens of Hollywood. Hollywood is a mirror of what's going on in collective consciousness. To get sex juicy in Hollywood movies, it's either there's this inc- couple with this incredible love and one of them gets cancer. They're, they're, or they're cheating on Somebody's cheating on someone and the sex that they're having is all based on that. We, we, we have this bizarre distorted understanding of sexuality in this culture. And, and um, it's because we come from a, a Puritan ethic. You know, We come from, from British um, Protestants who were, who were repressed like crazy in the old country and came here and then repressed everyone else like crazy. That's where American sexuality comes from. And so you really have to dismantle the whole black box of the 1950s and everything—that there's something wrong with sex—and if you're a guy, you got to convince a girl to get it. You know, you really have to go way back into our roots, and you—and you also have to clear off the um, the show element that you know the the element of show that's connected with the girly magazines and the porn, internet porn. You, you can't get to any substantial, living, organic. Holistic, multi-dimensional sexuality. If you're still in a consumer culture, if you're watching a lot of TV, if you're caught in a lot of collective thought forms, if you're if you're stuck competing, if you're if you're still if you're still in that mold, you, it's not about getting a new idea of sex. It's about divorcing yourself from the whole Western false model of existence of what it means to be a girl or a boy and what it means to be a a man or a woman. And so when you're trying to get to some new healthy, holistic version of sex, you basically have to um, have to erase everything you've seen on TV and in movies and the things you've been taught by our culture. That's a monumental job for most people. And so very few people are, 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 are you know, when when somebody comes into my room for a reading, and they're and and one of the things that comes up in the astrology reading is their relationship with their husband or their wife. One of the first things I ask them is how's the sex. It's oftentimes they say the sex is good, the sex is good, and I instantly see, just psychically and intuitively, that what they're calling good sex is about ten percent of what sexuality is. It's like somebody saying that they're having really good food and they're living on TV dinners, right? It, it's just, there's this, there's this full multidimensional chamber of sexuality that is available for people and almost nobody knows how to get there. And it's not the fault of sexuality, it's the fault of our culture. We're, we're raised in a culture... Um, that values the wrong things and is filled with illusions and superficiality. And you could just see it in Hollywood movies. Just, you know, look for a Hollywood movie that shows this beautifully sweet, serious, poignant, agonizing, truthful version of sexuality between a happily married couple and neither of them are dying and they're not cheating on anyone.
2: Mark, if... We're drowning as a culture. It's global. It's not just America. If we're drowning in in cultures that are brainwashing us to see, virtually see the predominance of darkness and shadow and secrecy and privacy that's associated with Scorpio, I'm also hearing twice now that uh, astrologers are reinforcing this. Uh, mantra, and don't seem to be doing their job in in showing the 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 false the false uh, the illusionary falsehoods that you refer to. So I I I've got to believe that your school uh, works in contrast to this. But as a collective of astrologers, are we beating a path? down uh, a road that is very counteractive, counter counter-helpful to humanity getting out of this hole.
4: Well, there is a side to astrology which typecasts, which stereotypes, which, uh, which thinks, tends to think, oh, Gemini, okay, she's a Gemini, she's fickle, she can't make up her mind, she's undependable. Oh, that's right, he's Scorpio, he has a lot of rage issues, and... Um, The day that I met William Lonsdale, I said to him, I'm thinking of quitting the comic book industry and becoming an astrologer. And he said, well, your chart has the makings of a great astrologer. If you you do decide to become a professional astrologer, you're going to be one of the best in the world. But you have to remember one thing above everything else. I said, what's that? He said, to be a real astrologer, you need to never think that you know what Scorpio and Gemini and Virgo is, you have to always be willing to discover what Scorpio is each time all over again with each new Scorpio who comes to you for a reading. Mm-hmm. And that became my mantra. That became my cardinal rule. To, to never think I know fully what Scorpio is or Gemini and to always be willing to find out what is this new, unique version of Gemini or Scorpio that I'm here with today? And, and unfortunately, most astrologers don't do astrology that way. There's, there's, a, there's a stuck mental categorization factor, and there's a lot of jazzy, interesting astro-lingo that pops up um, at places where astrologers gather, and many of those things are a substitute for a deep astrology of the soul, a deep connection. Um, I am far less interested in the birth chart as I am in the soul. And so uh, my favorite readings are the ones where I don't ever mention a sign or a planet or a house. In most of my readings, I don't need to say anything about astrology. I'm I'm talking about the soul. And, And if you get Um, fixated on talking about the chart well let's say you have Neptune in the 4th house quincunxing Mercury in the ninth house and people's eyes are going to glaze over they have no idea astrologers get juiced up and jazzed up on all these jazzy cosmic ideas that that can leave a, a human being cold and you're going off down this zone of talking more and more about these astrology things and and, and and you're actually failing to see who that human being is because you're laying everything you know about Gemini or Scorpio on top of them. And wh- the the poor soul is running away. Where's the connection to the soul?
3: Mm. We have just a few minutes left for discussion. And, and Mark, um, Janie and I were interested to hear your take on the Pluto and Scorpio generation. Uh, those people born between 1984 and 95, um, they're really coming into their own now, and being that they're, they're very heavily entrenched in this Scorpio energy, how how do you describe this generation of souls? What did they bring in, and what are they contributing to our well, I think transformation? The, the,
4: <laughs> the best and most transformative of that generation recognize the value of the death of society, the the world culture, as we know it, is dying. The, the the world I was born into in 1954 is is dead. is is kicking around on the ground. We we no longer have uh, a healthy culture. And the Pluto and Scorpio, the best of that generation, realizes: great, let's celebrate the death of what was no longer healthy to begin with, and let's replace it. So. You get these young people who are starting to come up with ideas about food, ideas about gardening, ideas about energy, ideas about how to really bring something in that's not dead, that's not dying, and and get the resurrection going because there's this beautifully resurrective side of Scorpio, and um, and the, the rest of that Pluto and Scorpio generation that are not. Transformative are going through variations on the theme of trying to make the old, obsolete world work again, and they're not getting the message. So I think it's that it's that split experience between uh, the part of Scorpio that is is unafraid of death and let the old culture go, and let's let's come on, let's just get going with the new, let's quit messing around with the old and that other side of Scorpio that gets, um, that gets stuck in, in false security, false power.
2: Mark, I, I can't believe we've run out of time. Uh, Mary Jo and I want to thank you and also our listeners for joining us today on Astrology, the Theory of Everything, and we'd like to express our deepest gratitude to the thousands of listeners who tune in each month from all over the world. And particularly thanking Mark for sharing his distinctly refreshing soul-level view of astrology with us today. So find us on Facebook at Astrology. Uh, excuse me, at Astro Talk Radio. And if you enjoyed the show, please do like us, link up with us on LinkedIn, and continue the conversation on Twitter with us at hashtag Astro Talk Radio. And next month, we hope you'll join us when we investigate the energy of Sagittarius, particularly through this next two-and-a-half-year transit in Saturn. Our guest will be Gal Eden Sasson, He is from Israel and an author as well as teacher of astrology, mythology, and the Kabbalah worldwide. Thank you all so much, and have a wonderful, wonderful month.
1: Thank you for being a part of the show today. Please join Janie McCarthy and Mary Jo Weavers again next week for another edition of Astrology, The Theory of Everything. We're live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. May the stars be with you.